Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You believe God with me for utterance tonight? Because I've got like 22 pages here. I I don't... (laughs) No, I won't do it to you. I won't. But I'm just saying that just you get in the you get in a stream and it just keeps flowing. And so you've got to pick out of that stream and draw out of that stream what it is that's to feed the people tonight. So you believe God with me for utterance. Amen. Um, it started. Yes. Well, it started actually a couple of weeks ago. God began giving me some snippets and glimpses of things to bring during this week. And then more came yesterday, then more came today. And you just kind of throw it all and just see where it lands. Uh, But he started dealing with me about the time that we're in because Dad Hagen and different ones who had experiences, either visions, visitations of some kind, And Jesus would speak to Dad Hagen and he said, I'm coming soon. Time is short. Because time is short, we don't have time to waste. Meaning we don't have time to do it wrong, back up, try to go and just live by trial and error because time is too short. You know, when a, when a bride is planning a wedding, they start now, from what I understand, two years in advance because they're, they can become very extensive, elaborate affairs. I don't know about that eloped. <laughs> and I got married to my husband five weeks from the day we met. And we, he started calling me two weeks after we met. So really, we were only in communication for three of the five weeks. And then he was in Europe for nine days of the three weeks. And so we, um, I only saw him five or six times from the time I met him to the time I married him. That's not the rule. That's the exception. Don't try to go out and have a spectacular thing like that. Uh, that may, that probably won't work for you. That's very unusual. So we just eloped and it's like Monday, four o'clock, see you there. That was our preparation time. And, uh, but I hear tell and I've seen different planners that they produce that will start two years in advance. You look for a venue you look for a wedding planner and you start planning things well in advance based on where you're at. You know, if you're from Olusti, where I originally started, probably two years is highly unnecessary. Like 20 minutes would work. (laughs) But uh, the bigger and grander the event, the more the planning the more the preparation for the event. And if you didn't get your venue at two years, hey, you've got time. You know, maybe a year, maybe nine months, even maybe six months, depending on where you're at, you've still got time. 
But if you haven't got, if you're having a big event and you haven't gotten your venue about a month before, well, call your parents and say, How, how's the backyard look? <laughs> because your, your options have now been shortened because of time. You may even have a lot of money, but without time, money can't purchase what time calls for. And uh, if you didn't do it six months ahead that you needed to do a certain task with that wedding six months ahead, maybe you can get it done in three months. But the day of the wedding, it's over, baby. It's like the dress you got is what you're wearing. Or the dress you don't got. (laughs) Uh, So time matters. And when Jesus said to Dad Hagen, time is short, we don't have time for things that waste that time. So God has given us the Holy Spirit to help us arrive at a time we haven't visited yet and know how to conduct the events of that time. It calls for the Spirit's help. People, I've pastored for 25 years. Now my children help me with the pastoring. But I stopped pastoring in 2016. I preached there occasionally. And uh, people asked me about pastoring. I loved pastoring. Pastoring didn't wear me out, tear me up, or tear me down. Because I learned to do it by the Spirit. The Spirit will keep you in front of things and you'll be refreshed in the flow of the Spirit. I pastored by the Spirit. I endeavored to minister by the Spirit. The sermons, I didn't just dig and dig and dig and try to find sermons. I listened to find what the, to hear what the Spirit would say because He knew what the, what the people needed to hear. And so the leading, uh, listening to the Spirit and following the way he's leading each and every one of us in our place in the body is imperative because time is short. It's so imperative that we become skillful at recognizing how the spirit is leading us and then we, act, we, we move in absolute obedience to that. Amen. So the spirit of God has always led the church on what to emphasize for the time of that of that, that point in time, so that we would be ready to receive what God has for us so we can go further. Yes. See, what God, what God has for us is always to lead us into more. Yes. Always to lead us into more. And uh, I, I just, if you will, uh, if you will uh, suffer with me tonight, and I mean that in the right way, that means I don't mean it in a painful way. I mean it, just go with me through this. I want you to see something uh, in Matthew chapter three. Because I appreciate, it's interesting that uh, Brother Joel and Pastor Amy have been talking about um, ready. Ready. Amen. We're not talking about what God's going to do. We're talking about what he is doing because we have to tweak the mindset so that we, don't, we aren't rutted in what we've always done. This is where a lot of people miss it. They are rutted in what they have always done. And so when God speaks to them, they miss it because they've already decided. 
That's the one thing I so loved about my husband. When he heard something from God, it was, we're doing it today. (laughs) Good or bad, we're doing that today. He was always ready. He was never rutted. The mental arena will rut you. How do you know if you're in the mental arena? If you're rutted, you're in the mental arena. Because following your spirit will never put you in a rut. It will always keep you sensitive. And I loved what, I loved what Pastor Amy said this morning. I don't know. I love, well, I liked what you said too, but, (laughs) but I'm just, I'm in relation to what I'm saying. She was talking about the tennis player that has what ready position, ready position. And she said that when, when they're in a, when they're, when they're in a match, they're in ready position. Why? So they can go any direction at a moment's notice. That's walking in the spirit for the believer. We're in a ready position, not a rutted position, a ready position. And, um, so in that, I want you to see that the Holy spirit is always going to help us be ready. If we'll follow him for what God is doing. So we do our part in that. And so that we can go to the next thing that's further beyond that. So Matthew chapter three, verse one, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What's that mean? It's time. It's time. No more talking, no more the prophets from centuries before that talked about it. He said, we've arrived. It's time. It's at hand. Verse three, for this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Now look what he's saying. Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So when it's time, people better be prepared. (laughs) Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins and his meat was locusts and wild honey. They went out to him, Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. His message is be prepared. Prepare, be prepared. Being prepared is everything. Try to take vacation unprepared. Try to make a trip when you haven't prepared your travel arrangements. You haven't prepared a hotel. You haven't prepared with the necessary resources, finances for the trip. It's going to affect the outcome of what you planned. Unpreparedness uh, aborts plans. We don't succeed. Now listen, I... Every single one of us are called to something in the body. Not every one of us are called to the fivefold offices, but every one of us are called to occupy a place in the body of Christ. You're called. God has assigned us. He set us in the body as it pleased him. He knows where we fit and he intends that we be in the place that we fit. And where do we fit? Where he sets us, not where we set ourselves, where he sets us. That's where we fit. 
And so we don't succeed because we're called to a place. Fivefold offices, you don't succeed because you're called. You don't succeed because you're called. Body of Christ, you don't succeed in your place because you're called to, to that place. You succeed because you're prepared to occupy that place. You're prepared. John the Baptist was living. Now see, we read here, uh, what, what, a, what a unique character. Verse four, I mean, he's wearing camel's hair. He's living in the wilderness. He has to have something that's suited for where he lives. They wouldn't maybe find that common in the city because it singles it out and lists it. So evidently it's not a common thing, but it suits where he's at. He's eating out there, mm, 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 critters. What's he doing? Preparing himself. Why? Because he's got to bring others into their preparation. Unprepared people cannot prepare others. He was in that wilderness being prepared himself so that when it came time to prepare others, he was prepared for that. Amen. Um, Dad Hagen used to say to us, and I remember one of our, uh, the last time we were with him, we sat at a dinner table and he patted my husband's hand next to him and he said, every generation must be evangelized and taught. It's not just about evangelizing, it's about teaching. Also, both moving together. Amen. And what's he talking about? Uh, Preparing them. Because those that are evangelized and brought into the family, they had to be prepared for their place in the family. What's their place? How to occupy that place. Now, verse three again says, prepare ye the way of the Lord. He was preparing the way how does he prepare the way of the Lord? By preparing the people. Preparing the people. He's not talking about preparing a road. He's talking about preparing the hearts of the people so that when Jesus brings the message, the heart will grab it instead of kick against it, instead of repel it. Prepared people receive. They receive what God says in a service. They receive what the spirit is, what he's doing and working in a service. Unprepared people argue with it mentally. They reason against it. That's a sign. If you're, if you find yourself entrenched in the mental arena, you're not prepared fully. We're all at different stages of preparation. I, I think of, um, uh, Dr. TL and Daisy Osborne, uh, Brother Terry Mize and Renee Mize are here. Oh, I'm so glad they're here. They are precious. They were close, close friends with T.L. Osborne. Well, he was my, like a mentor. Was he a mentor to you? Because this man's gone all over the world as a missionary. And uh, T.L. Osborne, I don't know. You could probably tell it better. But him and Sister Daisy took off as young missionaries around the world. And I don't know how long they were out there. Maybe a year or two, a short time. And they realized we're failing. We're failing. He told you that many times. And I read it before in his writings. And they came back home and they got under somebody. 
And I believe William Branham was a real leading voice because he was part of that healing. It was during the time of the healing revival, 1947 to 1958. And they came and they sat as students under these leading ministers. And after they sat and received more preparation, then they went out and changed the world. They were called the first time they went, but failed. Why? Preparation. 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 Zeal is no substitute for preparation. Being thrilled about your call is no substitute for preparation. Being anointed is no substitute for being prepared. Dad Hagen used to teach us preparation time is never lost time. When somebody will shorten their preparation time, they have just shortened how far they can reach. When you extend your preparation time as much as you can, you are extending the life and the power and the flow of what you're born for. Amen. Many are called, few are chosen. Why? Because few will prepare adequately for the call. Few will consecrate themselves to the preparation. See, many times people want the ministry, but do you want the preparation for the ministry? Well, you sit under a man and let a man say, don't do that again. And you say, yes, sir, thank you for helping me. Or do you take your marbles and go play somewhere else? Because you gotta be coddled and appreciated. I don't have to be appreciated. No man hired you for a job so he could appreciate you. He hired you so you could fulfill a task. And whether he acknowledges you, pets you, rewards you, appreciates you, strokes you, has nothing to do with it. And we are in a generation that is offended. It's an offended generation. And someone, uh, when they deal with you strongly and boldly, they're accelerating you. They're trying to, they're trying to. People have no idea how my husband dealt with me. Listen, he was always kind. He was generous with me. He was never threatened. He never felt, I never asked him to preach. Not one time did I ever ask him to preach. Well, I take that back. There was one time. You want to hear it? It was in my younger years of ministry, probably less sanctified. Years ago in our church in Tulsa, Ed was preaching one Sunday morning. And this woman, single, with imaginations, was winking at my, I don't know how I got off. This is a miracle crusade. I saw her winking at my husband while I'm preaching. I'm going, I said after the service, I got the message tonight. I got the message tonight. I got the message tonight. He said, oh, you do? I go, yeah. I got, I got the message tonight. So I preached that night. My opening scripture was, if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. I said, some woman 
in here, you know who you are because I'll go on and you'll be able to identify yourself. You were winking at my, my married husband. And I said, your eyes offended me and I'm fixing to pluck it out. Not physically, just in rebuke. That was not an issue. See, that's called being the head, not the tail. I'm not cleaning up a mess you made in my life. (laughs) Yes, my congregation sat under me for 25 years. They could take it. I talk plain. I talk frank. Why? Because we're not playing games. We're we're dealing with demons. We're dealing with death. Hate you. And I'm not going to pet you because demons won't pet you. Amen. I'm preparing you. And if you get out and fail, that points back to me. And no one fails on my watch because of me. If you fail, that's going to be on you, but not on me. I want to be able to know I did everything I could to hand you preparation. Now you have to take the preparation handed you. Praise the Lord. That was, that was just a rabbit trail. Zeal is not enough. You can't just get thrilled and say, and get, and get a desire for a big ministry. As long as, you, as your ambition is to build your ministry, you're not prepared. My, my desire is this, get out the message. What is God emphasizing? Promote the message and the message will promote you. But if you, ambition should not be a word found in the mouth of the believer. I have no ambition. I just have desire for God to be pleased, the plan of God to be fulfilled and him to get his way. Amen. Praise the Lord. My people do not know. There were times that my husband was very frank with me. Why? Preparation. And I took it and I didn't bring that correction into our marriage and then start copying that attitude that affected our marriage. People had no idea when he was preaching sermons, he was correcting me. And he preached it just for me because we had the conversation before the service. (laughs) What if I'm gonna take my marbles and go home because I don't like the way you talk to me? This is about preparing. And when you want your way, you're not prepared yet. You're not prepared. You're not prepared yet. So anyway, when my, my husband and I first got married, of course, I'd only been saved and filled with the Holy Ghost maybe two, two and a half years. Saved about two and a half years, not filled that with the Holy Ghost that long. When I married my husband, I had never heard of the fivefold offices. In the denomination we were raised in, we had a pastor, and that was the only office I ever heard of. I knew nothing about any of the other offices. Didn't, didn't, so I'm just showing you how deficient I was in knowledge. Yeah. And Ed would say to me, because we lived in Tulsa at the time, why don't you go to Rama? We have always, Dad Hagen was our spiritual father. We always appreciate the ministry value because we recognized dad Hagen's was dad Hagen was not just a leading voice in our circle. He was a leading voice in the body of Christ. 
And, and uh, it wasn't just we love him and so uh, we, loved what, we loved what God was using him to bring the body into. And uh, so Ed would say to me, why don't you go to Rama?" And I, and I, I checked here. And seriously, I, I said to him, I said, I don't have a leading to go to Rama. I'm not against Rama. I just don't have that in my spirit. And he kept after me and kept after me and kept after me. And uh, finally, God, I said to him, I said, God wants you to train me for you. He doesn't want someone else to train me for you. He wants you to train me for you. And because of that, we could flow in unity because the one who prepared me is the one that I got to flow with. When God puts you somewhere, he intends for you to flow with them and he intends for them to be the one to prepare you. That pastor, prepare you. That's why you don't bring preparation from another man and try to get your pastor compared to that preparation. That's unspiritual. That's unspiritual. A prepared man adapts themselves to wherever God puts them. They're not rutted. Rutted people can't go very far. They'll only go as far as their rut will let them go. One of the most impressive men to me in the Old Testament is Daniel. Because he was carried as a prisoner into an enemy country and forced out of his homeland, separated from all that he knew, all that was dear to him. And he was trained and prepared to serve the king, to learn their ways, have their way of education. And he became a loyal, faithful servant to that administration. And in the passing of time, there were three kings that came into administration. Uh, Three kings during Daniel's lifetime. You know, here in our country, when a new president comes into office, they bring their own administration. The former administration is completely removed and they bring their own. But when these kings would come in, they didn't seem to get rid of Daniel from the former administration. Evidently, they felt safe with him. Why? Because a prepared man adapts themselves ready to go, ready to go, ready to move, ready to think different, ready to move differently, ready to take whatever directive they're given without complaint. This is what we see of Daniel. And the Bible said he had an excellent spirit. An excellent spirit is a prepared one without argument without argument. We have to make sure we don't bring our American rights into our Christian walk. Bless God, I have a right. Well, not according to the law of love, you don't. You're welcome. Praise the Lord. I got to live with my Bible school. I said, I got to live with my Bible school. And there were times my husband would preach and I know that he's rebuking me publicly, but he was so gracious. He never told anybody, but I knew it. I could have taken offense. I could have gotten turned that personal and then brought it into our marriage and divide a home. 
but I was more hungry to be right with God than to be right in my own thinking. Believe me, I'm not trying to say I've done everything right, but I am saying this, I stayed hungry. When you stay hungry, God can work with you. God, there's more God can take you into. And I want you to see this verse two, where we were at in Matthew, Matthew chapter three, verse two. The message that John came out and gave was repent, change. That's what repent, it change. When people are settled, they're set, uh, God can't take them further. Repent. Repent means change the way you're doing it. Change the way you're doing it. Change the way you're living your life. Change the way you're conducting your daily life. Repent. Then he said, look, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If you don't repent, you miss this. Repentance gets us in to the next thing that God is doing. In John the Baptist's day, the next thing that God was doing, the kingdom of heaven was coming into their midst. And he says, I got to get you in that. I got to get you receiving that flow. So quit doing what you've been doing that's going to keep you out. Change. Don't stay the same. Be open. You know, this is what I so value about this precious couple. Tragedy, crisis, circumstances, difficulties will do one of two things. They will close you down like this or they'll open you up. The world teaches this posture. Manage, cope. I'm not called to cope. I don't cope with fear. I don't cope with worry. I don't cope with depression. I don't cope with it. I open up to the flow of God and I, I go God's direction in this thing. I turn God's direction. What is that? That's the direction of the word. And this is what I so value. We stood in their kitchen on the day that they had their funeral and I said, the way you're, you're so walking this out by faith is gonna rescue so many people that would have gotten on the wrong path based on this event. And you're keeping them safe. What a joy to be an example. Not a hardship, what a joy. I never let my kids be cop caught the attitude that it's rough being a preacher's kid. That's a lie from the pit of hell. No ministry ever destroyed a family. I've heard people say the ministry destroyed my family. No, an unrenewed mind destroyed your family. You thought wrong. The, the work of the ministry, which is the plan of God for our family has never done anything but bless my family. My husband traveled three weeks out of four weeks every month at least. And uh, if, if people would say, oh, your daddy's never home, their daddy's blessing their life by being where God told him to be. Our family doesn't have to look like someone else's family. Our family has to look like the plan of God, the will of God for our life. And don't, don't, don't look at yours and look at mine and say one is right and one is wrong. 
This is part of being prepared for where God is trying to take us. That we don't get rutted, that it's gotta be a certain way. Look at, look, if Noah would have taken that stance, how many families were building boats in his day? He was doing what no one else in the earth was doing and it was going to be his rescue. Yeah. Doing what God says is your rescue. Not just for you, but for your whole family. It's your rescue. My, my children were blessed. They weren't deprived. And since my husband has gone home to be with the Lord, things that he would have brought into their life, you know what God has done? Because I didn't cop a wrong way of thinking and a wrong attitude and a bitterness and an offense at God for not doing something different. Listen, anytime something goes wrong, it's never on God's side. It's always on man's 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 side. And it shows lack of spiritual preparation to blame God for what man failed at. It's an unrenewed mind to ever accuse the goodness of God of not being good. And God has been so good since my husband left that he has brought leading men in the body of Christ to speak into the lives of my family that have made themselves available to my family, to our ministry. If I were to list that the, the leading men of God in the body of Christ have walked into our green room at our church and said, anything you want, you call me. Anything you need, you call me. I will be here to help you do this project. I will be here to help you do this project. Why? Because when the, what the devil meant to steal from, God multiplied help back in. Why? Because we were prepared with right thinking when we were faced with tragedy. Amen. And this is what John the Baptist, he's recognizing to get these people in the next thing God is doing, which is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is going to be manifest right in the midst of this generation. I don't want you to miss it. Repent, repent, change the way you think things ought to be done. Do it God's way, not your way anymore. That was the message. One word was the message. That was the message God gave for that generation to get them in the next thing that heaven was doing. Praise the Lord. Now, verse 11, go down with me if you would. Verse 11, he was telling them to, as, a, as evidence and, a inward, and a, an outward sign of an inward choice, come and be baptized. That's to show I choose to repent. I choose to make the change so that I don't miss the next thing God is offering me. So he said, come be baptized because that is an outward testimony of what you have chosen inwardly. So verse 11, he tells them this, I indeed baptize with water unto repentance. In other words, you're going to be baptized as testimony that you've repented. But he that cometh after me, See, there's always something more coming. There's always something more coming. There's always something greater coming. I don't want to miss what's coming. I don't want to miss what's here, but I don't want to miss what what is here is leading us into. 
because there's always more coming. Tomorrow, next week, next, there's always more coming. And it's our privilege to position ourselves, be prepared. It's one thing to be prepared for today, but it's another thing to be prepared for what's coming because there's always more coming. So he says in verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. Can I say this? If you're not in part of a local church, you're going to have a hard time being prepared. Just like a child who is not in an education system of some kind, whether it's in their home, whether it's in a charter system, if they're not in some kind of education system, something is going to be lacking because they stepped outside of a system and chose to be self-taught. When we don't have a pastor, we have stepped out of the system of God. The system of God is that you have a shepherd, that you not be a sheep without a shepherd that faint and are scattered. When we step out of the system of God and choose to be self-taught, there are, there's things that are going to come that we're going to miss because we can't prepare ourselves alone. Verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. He said, this is what I'm doing, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, meaning he's going to do something far greater than dump you in water. (laughs) Whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, power and fire, power and fire. How do you get into this flow of power and fire? Repent, change. Hallelujah. One flow leads to the next flow. If we neglect the one flow that's right in front of us, we will not be ready for the flow that tomorrow shows. We can't skip flows that God offers and choose preferences. I don't know if you'll get anything out of it, but I mean. Same book, Matthew, still writing this. We read that in Matthew 3. Look at Matthew 4. I want you to see the honor of the one who came after John the Baptist. Matthew 4, verse 17. Jesus, from that time, Jesus began to preach. Now look at his message. Look at his message. Remember what I said? It's not about your ministry. It's about the message. What is God saying at that, at any given point of time? It's spiritual to be in tune with what God is saying and not adopt another message, not look for another message, not be enticed, not drift. What is God saying? The leading voice that God was using at the time was John the Baptist. But then Jesus comes on the scene and now Jesus's voice takes the lead. Look what the honor that Jesus carried for what God had already done through a previous man of God. Look what he did. Matthew verse four, uh, chapter four, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and this was his sermon. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Same message. He did not have to go out and find something more thrilling that, that the public and the Pharisees liked better. 
Pharisees did not like this repent word because they thought and portrayed themselves as right before God regardless of scripture. Look at the honor of Jesus. He doesn't look for a different message. He hears what God was saying and he picks it up and he carries it further. Can I tell you, revival is not God doing something different. God, revival is God doing what he's always done and just going further with it. Further with the same thing he's always done. People who, don't, people who are unprepared and untaught are looking for something different, new. Why? Because they want their success independent from anybody else's. They don't want to ever, ever think that somebody else helped them into this success. They want to take full credit for it. But the word says you've entered into the labor of another man. And what an honor, what an honor that God would entrust. Jesus carried it as an honor to be entrusted with the message that John the Baptist was the first one to announce to his generation. The prophets foretold it, but John the Baptist delivered it. And Jesus, so honorable, he didn't come in, I need my own special message so I can look more impressive than John the Baptist and outdo him. Picked up the exact same message. When dad Hagen left the earth, my husband and I did not flounder of what are we going to do now? He he preached the message. We paid attention. What message was God promoting? And we carried that further. I had someone ask me in an interview recently, how did you keep from, how did your ministry keep from falling apart when your husband went home? Because we weren't following a man. We were fulfilling a message. And the message did not leave when my husband left. I just, my husband trained me, prepared. Dad Hagen trained us. My husband carried that further in my life so that when he wasn't here, we were good students. We paid attention. Now we know what to do. You as congregation members need to be good students. What's your pastor preaching? Now you know what to do when you leave the building. You don't have to go out and find some fresh revelation, something fresh from God. Just hear what God said through the man of God and go out and live your life in line with it. Your success is connected to another man. And if you don't have another man, success is questionable. Now, again, verse 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So he preached the same exact message. Now he's going to go further with it. Look at verse 23, same chapter, verse 23. Now Jesus goes further with that message. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Look at this, and healing, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. How do we know this is something more? Because John the Baptist did not fulfill this. There was, no, there was no miracle of healing under his ministry. His was a message. But when Jesus picked up the message, now he was positioned to go to the power. 
the power, healing power, anointing. This is why people don't get in the full flow of power because they're off the message. Well, I preach the Bible. What is God saying in this hour? It's not just any rant. The, the word is vast. We have to have the Holy Ghost to direct us on what we're to emphasize. What is God wanting to do in our hour? And we hear that and we say, that's what I do. And it's always what the previous one did. The previous generation did. But go further. But go further. Remember what Jesus said? The works that I do shall you do also. What are the works that Jesus did? Jesus went everywhere teaching, preaching, and healing. That's the works of Jesus. Teaching, preaching, and healing. And he said, and greater works. Not greater in quality, greater in quantity. Because teaching, preaching, and healing, he was one man. But now there's a body through the whole earth doing the teaching, preaching, and healing. That's greater. (laughs) A greater quantity. But notice Jesus said, the works that I do. To do the works that Jesus did, you're going to learn those from the previous generation that did them. If we dismiss and aren't good students of what God brought to the body of Christ through a previous man of God, we're going to miss out on the fullness of our flow. Anyway, praise the Lord. God gave me in 2014, God said to me, I'm going to give you Sister Amy Simple McPherson's vacation home. I had a home, a home that's lovely and I was content to live in, but God had a plan. So in 2014, he said, I'm going to give you that home. In 2015, I bought it. When I bought it, it wasn't for sale. When God told me he was going to give it to me, it wasn't for sale. People had tried to buy it. Many people had tried to buy it. And the Foursquare organization that had it declined offers. Movie stars had come down and looked at it, interested in buying it. But they couldn't have it because God had a plan. I said to God, now, what I'm fixing to tell you is not about a house. I'm going to use the house, but it's not about the house. It's about a truth. One day I said, God... There are so many people who would have appreciated owning this home because of the history, the uniqueness of it. And I said, I just want you to know how I appreciate that you thought of me. You could have thought of all these other people who already had resources in place that could have bought it, but they didn't have the favor. Their money could not buy them. What favor didn't give them. And I I said, God, you gave me the favor, and then the money came. And I was able, for the first time, to pay cash for a home. And I said, God, I just appreciate you being thoughtful of me. That you thought of me when you see the house. And this is what he said to me. He said, because of your honor for faith generals of the past... 
He said, what you honor, you get to participate in. Now, did you get that? What you honor, you get to participate in. If we don't honor previous flows, we can't participate in them. If we don't honor what God worked through a man before us, we don't get to participate in that flow because it's not about a flow. It's about an honor. Prepared people know what to honor. Praise the Lord. Never belittle or treat lightly or speak lightly of someone else previous to you thinking that you got where you got alone. If they hadn't have done what they did, if Brother Hagen and Mom Hagen had not slept in chicken coops while they were learning the message of God's blessing and prosperity. We wouldn't be driving cars, and I'm talking about in the body of Christ, there wouldn't be the revelation of people knowing even how to have a house payment, get their house payment. These men of God, of past generations, not even just recent, but past generations, they got in the, in God's, uh, if I could say this, uh, God's scientific lab. And they learned how does faith work? How does joy work? How does worship work? How does giving work? And they got in God's laboratory and they tried this and they tried that and they mixed this and they, 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 they quit pulling, putting that in and they learned and then they came out and inoculated the rest of us so that we don't have to go through all the processes, that, that the struggles, the difficulties they went through. If we'll be good students, now don't misunderstand me, you're gonna have to show yourself skillful in the face of tests. But when they have inoculated you with the wisdom of God, and they've brought forth revelation by the Spirit of God, for us to set that aside and call it unimportant, and to dismiss them, shows an unrenewed mind and unprepared for a call. Matthew chapter 10. We're still in the same book of Matthew. Matthew is writing chapter three, chapter four. John started the message. Jesus picked up the message. Matthew chapter 10 and verse one. Matthew chapter 10 and verse one. And when Jesus had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits, to cast them out, to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Where did, where did this start happening? It started happening after Jesus picked up the message introduced by John. That's when this flow started happening. So Jesus brings them into the further flow that was initiated through him. But then he goes on and he lists the names of the 12 disciples, but go down to verse five. These 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying, go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Verse seven, and as you go, preach saying the kingdom of God is at hand. What is this? It's the same message. John the Baptist declared it. Jesus was entrusted with it and Jesus passed it on. They stayed with the message. 
the message of faith, the message of divine healing. These are not being unemphasized. And people struggle when they leave the message. Their own life will show the difficulties and the struggles of leaving the message that God is promoting. Praise the Lord. The disciples were able to pick up not just the message that John the Baptist declared first, but they were able to, pre- they were able to pick up the flow, miracles, healings, casting out demons. Why? Those things come by one thing, association. The anointing comes by association. That's one way it comes. You have to get around that flow to, to experience that flow. Catherine Coleman, who, if you ever have seen any videos of her, her ministry was marked by the word of knowledge. She would operate with the word of knowledge. Gifts of healings would operate. The gifts of healings would operate. It didn't begin with her. People don't know that there was her brother-in-law by the name of, by the name of Everett Parrott. That when she was 16 years old, her mother sent her to go live and travel with her sister and her brother-in-law, and he was a preacher. And he was the one who operated first by calling out words of knowledge and the gifts of healing and people falling out under the spirit. And she got in proximity and was in association and something was transferred to her. So she wasn't, she wasn't the beginner of this flow. It came through another. What God has for your life, someone else has begun and you better know it. It ain't about all us. We're not the beginner. We should just be paying attention to what the spirit is leading us to do so that we can tag on what he's already started through someone else and be a student. And primarily that's going to happen through your pastor. Don't ever appreciate a traveling ministry more than you appreciate your pastor. Don't ever, don't ever, don't ever. No traveling minister lives with you. Your pastor lives with you. Praise the Lord. You have to be present to catch some things of these flows. You have to be present. These disciples, Jesus didn't just call a monthly meeting with the 12. They lived with him. They served with him. They watched him as he ministered. They traveled. They got chewed out at times. It's part of the preparation. He, He corrected them. He dealt with them. He, uh, he wasn't raising buddies. It's not our job to get to be around our pastor, get to be around ministers so we can be their buddies. I just want to get in proximity. I want to see how they do it. I want to hear how they do it. Dad Hagen, he would teach us in the mornings on prayer and then he would take a few moments and pray in, the, in his morning services when he would do his Holy Ghost meetings. And he would always say this, I was completely disobedient to him in those services, completely. Because he would say, everyone close your eyes and let's pray, don't look at me, I'm looking at him. I'm sorry, I'm looking. I wanna see what you, how you held your head. I wanna see what you did with your hands. I wanted, to, I wanted to watch how God moved through you. Not to imitate that, but to be a student of my, of my teacher. Amen. Why? These are critical to get us to the next thing God has for us. 
They're critical to get us to the next thing. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Uh, I guess I'm going to stop there because if I keep going, we're going to unravel a whole nother line of thread there. (laughs) And I'm not sure we'll have time to pick up all the pieces before we get out of here tonight. What is God saying to us? Pay attention to what the Spirit of God is saying this hour so we can be prepared for where we're headed. I said, pay attention so we can be prepared for where we're headed. Hallelujah. You can be prepared for, for today, but there's more, there's more God has for us. And the Holy Ghost wants to keep, keep, keep training us, keep imparting to us, keep us prepared because every new level and move of God calls for further preparation. We're never done. Hallelujah. Stand with me to your feet. Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you tonight for the privilege to just say some things. And Father, thank you for the privilege of people who are hungry for them. (laughs) We're so, so grateful. We are so, so grateful for what you have for us. We honor what you've done in the past. We don't dismiss it. We don't belittle it but we learn from it and we're faithful with past revelations so that we can be entrusted with further revelations because there's more for us. Years ago, God said to me, there are revelations that belong to this era. Now listen to that. He said, there are revelations that belong to this era. It wasn't time for them to come forth in previous eras. But he said, there are revelations that belong to this era. He said, you will have to labor in prayer to receive them. Now, look, he didn't say to earn them. Because revelations are not studied out, they're given. They're given. And as we pray, we position ourselves to hear. The more we're in his presence, the more we recognize what he's saying to us. So we get to be a part of receiving more. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We glorify you. Just go ahead. Let's worship together.
Dad Hagen made this statement. He said, when honor and reverence is restored back in the church, there will be a multiplication of the miraculous, the supernatural. Really what I'm talking about tonight is honor. It's really what I'm talking about. Honoring the message, honoring what God has done and the price that people that went before us paid and not set it aside because of the arrogance of a generation. You know, I'm just talking about in the world. If you look at what people may say, they'll belittle people of previous centuries. Oh, they didn't know this, they didn't know this. Well, I know this generation doesn't know how the pyramids were built. So, (laughs) technology lost because someone thought it not important. And every generation always, I'm just talking naturally, I'm not talking of the body of Christ, I'm talking just the generation mindset is the previous generation were idiots because we have gone so much further. But no one could go further without what the previous generations did. There's no rockets until somebody built a wagon. We're building upon. God's doing the same thing, but it's dishonor that starts measuring what you're doing into what somebody else did and says, it's just not that important. But without what they did, we've got nothing to to work with. Um, Then I'll close with this, I think. In 20... 12, God said to me, I want you to have Brother Norval in your church. Now we've been friends with, Brother Norval was one of the first ministers I got to meet after I married Ed back in 1984. Precious man. We had many wonderful times with him. He was in our church on many occasions. And in 2013, after my husband died, Brother Norval called and he said, Nancy, he said, I'm going to be passing through your area. Would you like me to come? And I absolutely, because God had already said So for the next four years, he came every year. And it was our privilege. And Brother Tony got to spend days with Brother Norval. Him and another fellow would set up in there. They'd get two bedroom hotels. Brother Norval and his wife would be in one room and Tony and his other guy in another. Why? Because we put people in there to cook for them, help them get dressed, help take them places. They were, almost, they were around nine, Brother, uh, Brother Norval was around 90 years old. And all that man has put in the body of Christ. Are you kidding me? I value, I value people who made it easier for us. And uh, there were others that because Brother Norville needed tending to. He was 90 years old. But I tell you what, he would say, some of the revelations that would come out, he would say one statement that would open heaven to you with the weight and the revelation of having lived it. Precious, precious, precious. And uh, 
After he went home to be with the Lord, God impressed upon me to go back to onto YouTube and you can find if you push, if you type in Norval Hayes healing, what comes up is around 30, well, it's over 30, it's around 40 different services that were held in a revival in Dallas, Texas in the 80s or early 90s, somewhere in that time frame. And I just kept feeding and feeding and feeding. And I was getting ready to go and preach at a camp meeting and God told me, I want you to preach on the revelation I gave Brother Norval on, the, on worship. Not preaching his sermons, preaching what God said to him. So I had prepared to do that. I was getting ready that night to go to that camp meeting where I was preaching. And as I was getting ready, I caught a glimpse out of something in the corner of my eye and there was an angel standing in my hotel room. And I know this, that when an angel shows up, Jesus, when there's some kind of supernatural thing like that, you have to respond. So I went over and I stood in front of where that angel was and I held up my hands and I said, you come for some purpose, I receive that purpose. And he said to me, I've come to impart the utterance for the revelation. See, you can't just, you can't, these revelations are divinely imparted and they need divine help to utter them, to utter them correctly. You can't just study it out. And that angel said, I've come to impart the utterance for the revelation. Why? Because when it's uttered right, it lands in the people. It lands in their hearts, not just their heads. When it comes from the spirit, it reaches the spirit because words can't go where they haven't come from. And so that angel left and I sat down at the chair. I was finishing getting ready and the word of the Lord then spoke to me and he said, that angel has come and you were entrusted with that revelation on worship because of your honor for the man of God at the end of his life. Now listen to that, at the end of his life. He said, because at the peak of someone's life in ministry, everyone clamors to have them. But when they reach the end, those who don't honor are not interested anymore. And he said, if they don't have enough honor to honor the man at the end, they don't have enough honor to carry on the revelation the man brought. I will not entrust a revelation to a man who will not honor someone at their end. What's that mean? God does not intend we start over. He intends we take what was given and go further. Take, what do you think at the medical industry said, you know something, it wasn't this generation that found the smallpox cure. Trash it, we wanna find it. They build upon it and they go further. Why do you think the devil wants to get the body of Christ to diminish and get rid of the ground that was taken, revelation, stepping back from the truth, setting aside what was, what was brought to us through previous revivals? Well, it's only honor that will move, that will take what has been given and go further with it. Not go off, go further. Hallelujah. Well, I believe he's found a body of believers. Amen. We honor what God has said. 
We're not setting aside the truths of faith, the truths of healing. And this is why our church has been able to, if I could say this, our church has been in continuous revival. Why? Because we've just stayed with what God was saying, stayed with what was emphasized. We knew what God wanted us to deliver. And we just stayed with it. We didn't go with what was popular. Now listen to me, we didn't go with what was popular. We went with what we were called and assigned to. Amen. Don't get distracted by what, by balloons and streamers and what is God saying? What is he doing? Staying with it. There was one minister that was talking about a vision he had and he said, Pastor Nancy, he said, it was revelation to me because he said, I saw a company of angels. They were going through the earth and they were carrying what looked to be like some large, a trunk or container or something. And he said, they were going through the earth. And he said, they, they, they were, he said, this contained the oracles of God, the message that God was wanting declared. And he said, those angels would go and they would stay with a certain minister, a certain ministry that was declaring it. And then that minister would go with something popular and get off the message because now they grew in popularity and they left the message. And he said, and I watched those angels pick up those oracles and go somewhere else with them. It's about what is God saying? What is God promoting? That's what I'm going with. Thank God, thank God, thank God. This is part of being prepared, learning to recognize what God is promoting, not what man has promoted. People can just take a few really strategic steps and come to the forefront, but you can't stay there. What a, a man can't receive what heaven didn't give. Amen. So some, I I just pay attention to what God's promoting, not what man is promoting, what God is promoting. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You've got us. You've got more for us. We go, we go, we go, we go, we go. And we can only get there by honoring what you've already imparted, what you've already spoken, the revelation you've already given. We will not let the light slip. We will not let these things diminish, but we hold to them and we go further. There's not an old outdated message. (laughs) It's revelation in light of the word of God. Hallelujah. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.